This morning's scripture is from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been assigned a task or given a job for which you felt unprepared or ill-equipped? What comes to mind? Several years ago, this would have been back around 2013, after I graduated from seminary, I was working as a substitute teacher to help pay the bills until I could land a church job. Back then I was working for Pinnacle Charter School, which is a charter school up in my neck of the woods, up in Thornton. And it's a K through 12 charter school. So the good thing working, uh, about working for them was that there is usually always a job open because they're a K through 12 school. The bad news was that at times some of those openings were in the elementary school level, something which I regularly avoided. Teaching little kids is something that I do not feel equipped, capable, prepared, I mean, you name it, I am not good at it. So trying to substitute teach young kids is something I regularly avoid. But one day the school said, hey, we're doing this big testing or something and we need extra substitute teachers for these lower level classes. So begrudgingly and Mistakenly, I accepted the task, and I immediately regretted it. Now, I don't know, I shouldn't admit this perhaps, because there are some, what, teachers and former teachers in the room, right? But as a substitute teacher, my number one, my number one task in my head is just to survive the day and make sure the kids survive the day. And if that happens, that's a win. That's a win. Now, again, I regularly teach junior high, or I guess middle school these days, right? Middle school and high school, and my philosophy is, I've got 45 minutes. So if those 45 minutes don't go well, you know what? I get a fresh 45 minutes, a new group comes in, right? If I completely, if I completely fail on classroom management, or implementing lesson plans, or just managing a problem student, whatever, 45 minutes, just gotta survive, those 45 minutes and then a new batch comes in and I can start over. Well, the problem with elementary school kids is you're stuck with them the entire however many hours, right? If it's five, six hours, if you don't get off to a good foot, I mean, you're just stuck with them. And that's kind of how it was this one day when I, I taught, taught this group of kids. I mean, it was, I, I tried my best to implement the lesson plans and keep them on task. 
There's just like kids were like kind of like my son here was this morning, all over the place, running around. And the worst thing about it was that the the main teacher, she was like just outside the classroom, taking kids out for like individual testing. So she'd come back in and like have to shush the class. And I don't know, that was just the worst. I felt so terrible. Like she's having to come in from what she's supposed to be doing, hush the class. So. If you ever have it, I mean, I'm not licensed anymore, frankly, for the, for the state, but I did get a call a couple years ago when they were really desperate for substitute teachers. Um, so if I ever come up on your call list for elementary, just dial the next number is what I'm saying. <laughs> so that was not something for which I felt prepared. Have you ever had a job or a task or an assignment for which you felt unprepared. Maybe it's an escape room, something, I don't know why anyone would do an escape room for fun, <laughs> frankly. Like I have enough stress in my life to like have to stress about getting out by a certain time period, but some people, I guess, I mean, if you're looking for stress, just come to my house, frankly, for fun. Um, you know, maybe it's a task or, or a job, a new job. I mean, for those who know me know I've started another job and there's some days I've been at this job six months, six months, six weeks. Feels like six months sometimes, right? And there's some days I walk out like, what have I gotten myself into? Maybe it's just kids or relationships or being an adult. As hard as these things can be, as hard as it can be to be a parent, to be in a relationship, this is where, like, in the Baptist church world, we'd say, can I get an amen? <laughs> right? It's hard as it is to be in a relationship or to be an adult, a functioning adult all the time. There's one thing, there's one task for which we've all been assigned that I bet the vast majority of us feel completely unprepared. I'm talking about the task of disciple-making, making more disciples of Jesus. I feel like I need a bum bum <laughs> for that, right? Big bummer. This morning, Nancy read for us a section of scripture commonly known as the Great Commission. Do we know what the word commission means? Perhaps when we hear the term, many of us think of the sales term, commission-based pay. I know many years ago, I worked as a sales rep for 24-Hour Fitness trying to sell people memberships. And my, you know, 24 Hour Fitness was a great company to work for. <laughs> we would get draw versus commission, meaning like I had to sell a certain amount of memberships just to get up to my guaranteed base pay, which was a whopping 8.25 an hour. And once I earned, sold enough memberships, I'd get anything above the 8.25 an hour, if that makes sense. I mean, I frankly never got there. Uh, part of it was I was working in Boulder and trying to sell memberships to students who could go to the gym for free, but whatever. <laughs> but that's not the kind of commission referenced here. Here, commission is about the act of granting certain powers of authority to carry out a particular task or responsibility. So right here, what's happening is Jesus is commissioning or authorizing or granting the disciples power and authority to complete the task of making more disciples of Jesus. 
Let's listen to these words again, and perhaps it will make more sense. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Authority, command, go. Hence, the title of the Great Commission. So two quick things I want to point out from this passage. One is, this is the first time in which the task of teaching has been given to anyone but the... Or, excuse me, this is the first time the task of teaching has been given to anyone other than Jesus. The disciples here are now tasked with the task of teaching. Second, this story is very open-ended, meaning this task of teaching doesn't just stop with the disciples. It continues on to those who read the story, even if I may be so bold, you and I. Now, I can imagine for many of us, this might make us a little nervous. Perhaps it recalls for you those street preachers, or TV evangelists, or maybe just talking to a stranger. We've all seen the street preachers standing on the street corner, perhaps, yelling and screaming about the end of the world. Or we've seen someone on TV, you know, knocking people over, asking for donations, flying in a corporate or big fancy multi-million dollar jet. Or even just perhaps where you're an introvert like me and sometimes talking to a stranger just seems like too much work. And, and more frankly than that, we live in a context where it can be perceived as weird or even controversial to even talk about God in public. And just for, for practical measures like when we're out and about, when I'm about out and about, like the thought of just someone walking up to us and trying to sell us something, who wants that, right? Like we all have gone to events where we're, whether it's at Costco or uh, at the mall, we're walking and someone's, you know, you know how it is, right? Someone's there trying to sell us solar panels or makeup, and we just know, like, we don't want to make eye contact, right? Or if we make eye contact, it's got to be like a quick, friendly, like, hey. Because if you know, if you lock eyes too long, like Steve, what happens? It's like, oh, they think they have permission. Hey, hey, can I talk to you today about solar panels? <laughs> no, no, thank you. Or new windows or whatever it is, right? So that's what I think most of us feel like that, oh, man. When we read this text, thankfully, I want to tell you today that's not the case. So breathe a sigh of relief. First of all, the word, the word disciple means to train, to instruct, to help someone learn. We have a modern day word for this, I think. A modern day equivalent. Mentor. A mentor guides, advises, instructs, supports, counsels, and teaches. Most of us have had a mentor at some point in our lives, whether it was at school, at work, even a parent or grandparent. 
Chances are you've gotten to where you're at today, whether in, jo in your job, in your present context, maybe even the reason you're here at church today is because of the influence of a mentor in your life. So I believe that this is something that Jesus is commissioning the disciples and us to do. To teach, to mentor, to disciple someone in their faith. And I think at least when we think about it in this way, it takes the pressure off. Jesus is not asking us to go yell at some person on the side of the street. He's asking us to intentionally influence the life of another person, just as we would in a mentoring relationship. And as with any good mentoring relationship, we're sharing our wisdom and experience with someone who wants to learn from us, someone who respects us and is interested in a relationship with us. So again, I believe this is something that Jesus is asking of all of us, because you and me, we have we have wisdom. You have insights that can benefit someone. You have a story that will deeply resonate with another person. You have experiences that someone else will want to learn from. So is there someone in your life that you can come alongside of and support? Is there someone in your life that can use guidance and direction? Is there someone in your life trying to figure out why Jesus matters, why a life of faith is important? I bet if you stopped and thought about it for a moment, someone can come to mind. Maybe it's a friend who's going through a hard time in life. Can you share with them how your faith sustained you through hard times? Maybe it's a coworker wrestling with career choices. Can you share how God guided you along your path? Maybe it's the children or youth here at the church. Because if no one comes to mind, let me assure you that we have plenty of children and young people here at this church who could benefit from a faithful young adult giving them and guiding them in the way of faith. As Kevin shared last week, not all of us are called to be clergy, but we are all called to live out our faith. Your story, like Kevin shared, of his own can be influential in the life of a youth or young person learning how to incorporate their faith into their life. Your influence. Even if it's as simple as sharing a lesson with children on Sunday morning or being involved in the youth group can have incredible repercussions. Repercussions that I don't think we can even fully comprehend. Perhaps you remember this story a couple months back. There was a young woman tragically killed in West Nevada on Indiana Street when a group of teens decided to go for a joyride, driving down the street in a pickup truck tossing landscape rocks out the back of their truck. My in-laws live in West Nevada, just a few miles from where that all happened, and I had driven by that tragic scene several times when 
20-year-old Alexa Bartel died tragically when a rock came crashing through her window and killed her. What struck me as I read the story was something that seemed like a tiny piece of the story. Not the horrific act itself, senseless and reckless and frustrating as it was, but another choice that had happened only a few minutes prior. What's often not mentioned in that story is that there originally that night four young men spending time together. One young man, upon hearing the other's plans for the evening, asked the group to take him home. There was something within him that knew that what was about to go down was not the right thing to do, and he didn't want any part of it. I can only wonder, who were the voices? Who were the influences? Who were the mentors in his head telling him not to do this? Now, this is only my speculation, but I can't help but think, can't help but wonder that there was surely someone who had influenced, who had trained, who had mentored this young man to know what his values were, to know to not be afraid to go against the group and to know when to leave. Sometimes it is indeed the smallest choices that change our lives forever. And this is the thing about mentoring, about discipling. Rarely are we present, probably almost never are we present when the person we've influenced is making the choice, right? But we can train, we can equip, we can prepare them for when that moment comes to make the right choice. When faced with the choice to betray a relationship, when tempted to overlook injustice and ignore and look the other way, when wrecked by unexpected pain or tragedy or loss, they'll remember, I believe. Perhaps you remember the proverb in our scriptures that say, train up a child and when, excuse me, train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they will not depart from it. Yet as much as Reverend Sandy, Sherry, and myself strive to mentor and disciple our youth and children, chances are we won't be able to connect with them all. But here's the thing. Something you say might be able to connect with them. Something from your life, your experience, it might reach them and have a lasting impact on them. That's why discipleship is a task that Jesus asks of all of us. Maybe it's not a youth or young person here at this church, but who is one person, think about that this morning, who is one person in your life that you could make it have, you could have an impact on, you could disciple, you could mentor in their faith and life? Because your impact, big or small, could have life-changing ramifications for them.
to remember your story matters. Your experience matters. Someone needs you to invest in them and their life and faith. So go. Go and make disciples. Let us pray. God, the challenge that we have been given by your son is not an easy one. It's very intimidating to share what we know. It's hard to risk rejection or, or weird feelings, God, but we trust that you are with us, God, and we're thankful for the opportunity to have an impact on the life of another. God, if no one comes to mind for us this morning, God, bring to mind for us in these coming hours and days someone or some way we can have an influence on that we can mentor and disciple and share what we have learned, the faith you've given us, and make an impact on another. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.